1: It's Ty Power's Bigfooty final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Tyre Power's Bigfooty final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.
2: It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
0: Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to
1: talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. Uh, good to have you back in the state after a little bit of a close call with the Cattery last week. Yeah,
0: it wasn't a great week for the Cattery, <laughs> but a um, couple of nice days in uh, in Noosa following it yep. as, as the country implodes with... I said we were going to not mention COVID, but it implodes with COVID right around the country. Several major cities going into lockdown again. But we're not here to talk about that, Aaron. We are here to talk about fishing. We are. There's a bit of boating news around and a bit of fall drive news. Um, There's whale vomit during the week. (laughs) (laughs) $1.5 million it got valued at. So So there's a, a crew, a fishing crew, um, working off the coast of Yemen that landed a two hundred and eighty pound chunk of whale vomit and whale vomit for those that um that are unaware is used um and quite often sold um throughout the united arab emirates and and used as um uh, in fragrances and those sorts of things.
1: It, it contains an odourless alcohol that makes fragrance, fragrances last longer. That's what it does. And they paid $1.5 million for this, Pat. So it usually
0: sells <laughs> around fifty grand for a kilogram. More than heroin. <laughs> Not that I've ever bought heroin. But.
1: Is it in specific Wales or how does it work? Do you know much about it? No. <laughs> Neither do I? That's why I was asking. I just couldn't I, believe it, it was no, amazing. It's um, uh, phenomenal, to be honest with you. Now
0: not a great segue, um but
1: Grenadier, are you familiar with the English pub? I'm familiar with Blue Grenadier caught in deep water. I haven't <laughs> been to the pub but it sounds good. Where are we going?
0: Well, one of the um the most iconic four-wheel drives probably ever, yep. the Defender, the one ten, there was obviously the one thirty from Land Rover. Um in its current form now is unrecognisable to the form that we all fell in love with throughout the sort of 80s, 90s, and, and early 2000s. The car didn't change essentially from when it was um, from when it was
1: built in the in the late 70s, early 80s. It still looks like a vehicle that's used in the 70s, 80s in the army or something. <laughs> that's what it looks like.
0: Well, I love this story because there's, there's a few guys from uh, in England that were meeting in, a, in an English pub called the Grenadier that have. Um, come up with the idea to reinvent the Land Rover Defender as the Greta Um It looks very, very similar. Slightly updating certain things, like it's going to be offered in an automatic. Now they're going to use a BMW engine. Um, but recreating this iconic four-wheel drive. We haven't got pricing yet, but do you think there's a market for... For older styled vehicles. We've seen it with Mercedes and the AMG G Wagon, which now is the most popular car in the mm, States mm. and it is basically a box on wheels. Can you see it being
1: I think it up looks, again in Australia? I think it looks great. It I does. Think, looks, it looks looks tough. It looks strong. Uh, will it be in my price bracket? I'm gonna go with no. A few more <laughs> Soul Guide members maybe, but <laughs> I think I'm a little bit off it. That's I think it's gonna be worth a fortune. It has to be, doesn't it? Well, you'd think
0: so. A um a smaller it's certainly a smaller market, so we'll
1: wait and see. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it also, something that was probably in the 70s that you found there. It was a submarine. <laughs> it actually has been a landmark at Crib Point in Western Port Bay since 2021. Now, I've actually seen it on Channel 7 News during the week as well, and it's, this has been going on for a couple of weeks now. And we had a... Remember that really bad weather we had a few weeks back, Pat, and it copped an absolute beating from tides, wind, swell, ocean. And it's actually been... It's not upright anymore. It's actually fallen. It's shifted. It's nearly onto its side now. So just a little bit of a reminder, anyone boating in Western Port, stay away minimum 200 metres because there's going to be debris floating off this uh, as well as the possibility of it literally capsizing. If it's taking in water, it's going to go under and could cause all sorts of havoc. Now, the other conversation is few Years ago, there was going to be like a tourism sort of platform put in place to actually go out in the sub and check out the nuclear weapons on it. I think, <laughs> I think they've taken them off of it. They're gonna, they're gonna, it was actually put in place. You could go on there and actually check out the sub. And now, a few of the guys that actually worked on it back in the day, well, no, note to listeners, there isn't actually nuclear <laughs> weapons on the submarine. Come on, go along with it. That was good. <laughs> it, uh, they, um, they now want to try and get it towed, towed ashore and actually made into something because there's a fair bit of history that's gone, you know, it's, it's had in its past, obviously. Been so in, it's been yeah. involved in a lot of, lot of things throughout throughout its life. So, yeah, I think it's going to be – hopefully it gets used in a great way, not just sunk or blown up, basically, and taken into pieces yep. because it's, yeah, it's a bit of history for Western Port there.
0: Well, it's great when they're – like, and right around Australia when we see whether it be ex-military vehicles or, or ships generally that are sunk off the coast and then turned into tourist and dive attractions yep. – they're fantastic. Not only they do they create that um, that uh, home for marine life, but wonderful tourist attractions. This is slightly different, obviously, given where it is and the fact that it, it, it is out of the water,
1: which is slightly more dangerous. Don't only tanful about all those things that you just said, like go out there and tourist attraction. They're all bloody marine parks. You can never fish them. <laughs> <laughs> we like, need one that's not a marine need, park, don't we? Uh, we need at least two that's not a marine park. The, uh, there's, we've got to... The Canberra, it's called a a an old navy ship that was sunk, sort of pretty much straight at the, straight at the front of my joint here in Ocean Grove, and that there at the start held some beautiful kingfish, and I'm tipping it still does, but you're not allowed to fish anywhere around it, so it, that, they do hold fish. Yeah, divers dive. It's roughly that twenty eight meters deep, and they do create a lot of life, like you were saying before. But uh, during the week as well, Patrick, I had a bit of fun. Well, it was the end of last week, but you have this
0: week. Your um, your schedule at the moment has been. Giant southern bluefin tuna, giant southern bluefin tuna and
1: more giant southern bluefin tuna. Just throw in there and no sleep and uh, in trouble by Kari all the time because I'm never home. (laughs) Your beautiful partner. Now,
0: what's been the secret to the success that you've had because you've caught... Haven't uh, missed. uh, It's been almost like 10 in the last two weeks. Yeah. So, obviously, you've got to understand the area. You've got yep. to get your fishing reports on, like you've, you've fished a fair bit out of Portland, you've fished a fair bit out of um, Apollo, Apollo Bay. Bay. You're obviously travelling huge distances once you get to Apollo Bay. For those that are keen to take it up, and we've obviously we're in school holidays at the moment for Victorian-based people, are you heading to Portland to chase school fish if you haven't fished before and you want to get into the tuna? If you're interested in these barrels, are you still heading to Portland because it's the closest or are you oh sorry, it's the closest to the to the fish. To the fish in yep. terms of the boat ramp facility. Or are you gonna brave launching at Apollo Bay where you are travelling some eighty plus kilometers um you, you know, know west, in a boat west. <laughs> yeah, southwest in a boat where it, it really is one of those experiences you need to have um you know, a, a good solid number of hours only about belt in order to undertake a trip like that.
1: Yeah, you spot on and, and like you said school holidays and whatnot. Now Portland is the home of tuna. I'll always say that. And it's to do with the distances. You can literally go out of Portland, turn right around Cape Grant, which is only uh oh, maybe a dozen Close. Ks if that. And yep. um you head out of the back of Cape Grant and you could potentially be catching hundred plus kilo bluefin tuna as well as school fish, gummy shark. It's it's a great fishery. But the problem is, at the moment, we're not seeing the barrels in their numbers. There, we're just not seeing them. Yep. So, the water temp was a bit hot. Still, starting to get better. Chris from Gone Fishing Charters reckons he's starting to see what we like to call it your zoos, where you're starting to now see your seals, your whales, and your dolphins, yep. and your, your huge, a huge, huge number of, of, of gannets, different
0: species. Yeah, yep. all in
1: these areas, and that's what the barrels are, are tend to be under those under that life. Now. Polo Bay, if you want to go to a Polo Bay, and I've said it on, on a couple of other shows, if you do want to download any of our podcasts, make sure you download the Real Adventures app. You can get everything you need on the app. It's a fantastic app. Recipes it's and free. Our podcast. it is for free. So Polar Bay, at the start, Pat, they were 88 kilometres from the ramp. Now, you said before, what's your trick into getting them and consistently catching these fish? I've got two things. Number one is being on top of the fish now I spoke about this years uh, weeks ago saying I don't, when, the, when I said the barrels won't be far away I said to you I won't be the person that finds these fish I just yep. can't with my work I just okay. can't be that I need to work I just need to work so that's, I waited for a few
0: reports good on you that's most bad
1: I know but that's not, But people will go oh you're lazy and what not you're not going out and finding your own fish well no I, I, I just need to like it's my job so what I did was whether, day one the fish were 88 kilometers. they were on the far west side of the oil rig that's out there then slowly they've worked their way closer and closer towards Apollo which, Bay, which is about day. um, it's about four hundred meters off Antarctica. I think it is. We're actually fishing next to King Island, <laughs> <laughs> which you are. No, you Island's, genuinely are. King Island's ninety-two kilometers on a slight different angle. We're. King Island's like 90-something kilometres, and we were, 80, we were actually 88-plus k's at times. But anyway, we've moved... The fish have moved closer, so now they're nearly at Big Reef, and it was 55 kilometres, which in, in all... This is a massive interest to anyone that's wanting to chase these big fish, is the fact that they are moving west. Could they end up off Barwon Heads? Who knows? And I tracked them when I went out there because I was fishing them regularly, each day that I was out there and talking to a couple of people that fished the days I didn't, the life was moving and I could measure in kilometres enough with my, that I could see distances yep. with my eyes. So I was pulling up shop at 10, 15 kilometres where they were two or three days ago. And I, and I was every day I popped in the same spots as, as where they were.
0: And what depth of water are we talking about? You're 88 oh, k's west the, off an oil rig. Yeah. What are we talking about?
1: Around that – so Big Reef, there's – a. Off a pole, off the Otway, Polo Bay there, there's you got a place called Little Reef, and the next uh, one on out is called Big Reef. Little Reef's a little reef to what Big Reef is, and it's self-explanatory there. But Big Reef comes up to like 28, 30 metres, and it drops down to 80. So yep. you've got to understand that it gets, So it's not incredibly deep. Though. It's 80 metres we're fishing in, and yeah. up to, like I said, to 30 metres on, on the reef. But the problem...
0: Because you would think 88 k's from shore, if I compare that to fishing off east... east, east. Gippsland, rather, and fishing for swordfish, oh, it has to be 500 metres deep, yeah. you know?
1: You're spot on, and we don't have any of that. That's why the fishing here in Victoria, we don't get a lot of your marlin and you pelagic fish and whatnot because we don't have a continental shelf yep. which holds the depth. From here to Tasmania, is basically 70 to 80 metres deep. Yep. Like, it's quite shallow. So you've got to remember that when we've got reefs and tide uh, reefs and currents that run around the Otway... Big reef and little reef get very, very rough because you've got to think about the pressure of the oceans pushing up, the southern oceans meeting Bass Strait and whatnot, and that is a lot of water movement in hitting up on these reefs and the and yep. so it can off get, a pretty shallow base. Yeah, hundred yep. percent. And yep. the yep. shallower it is, the less it has to be, sorry, the shallower it is, the shorter the chop's gonna be. Hence why the middle of Port Phillip Bay in that twenty metres is so rough when you're crossing the bay in 15, 20 knot winds. Where if you're out in that in the ocean, it doesn't get middle, dispersed yeah, by the depth of the that's right. It's not a, smooth, not a smooth roll. It's more of that short, sharp chop, and that's what all boats hate. So if your school holidays, Portland for your school tuna, barrels, I'd be heading to Apollo Bay. But they're fishing fantastic. And the but, other you, th-
0: but you need experience, though, don't you? You do. If you're going to f-
1: head that far offshore... You need to have a boat that's capable of doing it, and pretty much all boats and engines these days are capable of doing it. They are. But, but how but, are you
0: picking your well, conditions, though? Because you're, yeah. you, you often speak about... Um, Getting your, your weather reports, but your weather reports where you're going to fish, not on um, the location. Like, there's no point. What's the weather report yeah. for Apollo Bay? Well, that you're not fishing at Apollo you're Bay. Not. You're fishing almost a hundred kilometers west of Apollo Bay. What you know, just said
1: is literally crucial. Now, I'm just going to throw in one thing. I've I've given three people now my jerry cans because they're going to run out of fuel going out there. Like people, bro. I had and and I know engines play up. It's no one's fault, but. Fuel fuel is your fault. If you run out of fuel, that is potentially your fault because you haven't No counted, potentials. It, it is your it, fault. It's your fault. Yep. So you need to be mindful with that and just make sure your boat can do it. And Pat, I'll keep it simple. You know I love fishing in wind. I, I just love fishing you in do. wind because yep. I catch so many more fish. Just an example, the Sunday and Monday a couple of weeks ago, Miracarm, there was one fish caught out of probably 100 boats. Now yep. there's two factors. The tuna don't bite that hard in calm weather. They do what they have there. Don't get me wrong. You'll have their days where you have a blinder or if you've got it by yourself. But the other thing is the boat traffic. Yep. And that is a killer on Barrel Bluefin. The fish come up, bang, 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 and all of a sudden, 40 boats race boats over. And it's up. all yep. over. So that's an issue. So what I do is what you just said before. There's an app called windy.com. You've also got the bomb, uh, the Bureau of Meteorology. That website's fantastic. And what I do on Willy Weather, I type in Willy Weather and search Cape Otway offshore. And that gives you the lighthouse from the point. Now, whatever you've got there, say it's going to be 10 to 15 knots there, it's going to be worse out further. It just always is. Yep. But windy is where it comes into play. And windy isn't a report where you read 10 to 15 knots on a written platform or um, on Willie where you got your arrows pointing. It's a colour-based. So what I mean by that, it's got the, it shows you the fronts and the wind that's coming and moving around for your offshore. Now, what you said before was really, really important. You're fishing off a pot. You're launching at Apollo Bay and whatnot, right, which is still 30 kilometres to Cape Otway, and then you've got another 50k run, say, to the Bluefin. So... You need, to, you need to be mindful that you've also got to come back. So what I'm doing is, I'm pick, the last few days, I've been picking it where it's windy where I'm fishing. So when I'm coming back, I've got that 15 to 18 knots out there, and it's quite windy. And I'm getting fish every time, and there's no boats out there, only a couple of boats. And the other day, it was just me and the boys, a couple of mates of ours. And when I'm coming back, I'm making sure that the Otway is actually quite calm. So that windy, you can see the wind out wide, but as you get closer to shore, it tends to be, it's always offshore. I'm fishing northerly wind, so it's protected. And once the closer I get to shore, the calmer it gets. So you might do hard in 20 to 30 k's coming in. It might be hard to push it into this uh, into this weather pad, but soon after it, it becomes very, very easy to get in because all of a sudden you're under the cape and you're flat stick racing it back to get a hot pie from the bakery before it shuts at one o'clock. So that's, basically how I'm targeting these blue, big barrel bluefin tuna. We've got a massive
0: show of Real Adventures coming your way this morning. Plenty more after the break.
2: You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
0: This is Real Adventures. Let's take a
1: look at what's biting right around the country. Redman? Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening right around the country, Patrick, and we're only going to head first straight. Well, actually, you know what? We'll stay local. We'll do a bit of Victoria work. Malakuda is fishing off its head, same as Lakes Entrance. I'm talking offshore big swordfish, as many big swordfish as you want. Not as many as you want, actually. I shouldn't say that. Actually, I'll take that back. Not as many swordfish as you want. They're <laughs> a lot of work. They're hard to get. But if you make the effort and you head out wide, you've got a very good chance in landing some seriously big bluefin. 300 uh, – bluefin, sorry. Actually, bluefin as well. During the week, there was multiple – 100-plus kilo southern bluefin tuna taking swordfish baits as well. So you go out deep dropping these baits down 500 metres with these swordfish, there's big eye thresher sharks being caught, there's bluefin, there's big swordfish, there's ling, there's oh, trumpeter in big numbers too. You literally drop a bait down, you don't know what you're going to catch when you're fishing. In You could catch a fish with a light on its head, Pat.
0: <laughs> um, Richie Abella from Dream Catcher Sports Fishing Charters. Landed a huge...
1: 301, I think it went. It looked
0: hard, like it was half the size yeah. of the boat. Obviously, he puts in a huge amount of work. As, as anyone that ever fishes sort of yep. swordfish consistently, you learn from all the mistakes that you make and um, you spend more days on the water not catching fish than you do catching fish because it's, it's just, you know, 100%. it takes time. 100%. Um, that being said, there's a great argument at the moment to, to argue that Lake's Entrance is just about the... Pinnacle for offshore fishing in Australia yeah,
1: at the moment. Yeah, lakes and Malakkaruda like they are just, they're both oh, just an untapped fishery. Really, you come in shore, Pat. The gummy fishing in close off lakes' entrance and whatnot—crazy. C- the snapper fishing can be good at times. The flathead fishing, the gurnet fishing—it's all really good fishing. Then you come inland to the lakes, actually, to into the into the lakes. There's massive flathead being caught. The brim after that rain, we've cleared up a fair bit now. Uh, there's some monster brim, like well over 45 centimetres, some of these fish, and they're in massive, massive numbers. Then also, if you're going to come back to Western Port and Port Phillip. The whiting fishing in Port Phillip is going nuts. The squid fishing in Western Port and offshore going stupid. Your gummies on the beach have been... And you're still,
0: to- you're still basing that around... Picking your tides and your times on when to fish for for whiting and for squid?
1: Every species of fish. It's crucial to get your tides right. You don't need to fish for 12 hours a day to catch your 10 squid. If you pick your times, because I guarantee you if you go out and do 12 hours, there'll be one of those hours that fish the best. Heading into WA, Patrick? Yeah,
0: Redmond, uh, we're seeing big mulloway being caught at the moment right along the beaches. The best way to target those fish?
1: Live baits. If you can get live baits, herring, or even mullet, potty mullet, uh... And squid, if you can get some calamari fishing, yeah, like pretty much Perth and up north of Perth is where you want to be along those beaches. Bustle from Jetty. Herring, there's heaps of those herring I just spoke about. And school holidays, Pat, just get the kids down there. All like we spoke last week's show, you've just got to basically catch when you've got kids. And it doesn't matter if it's 20 centimetres or 200 kilo, they're always having fun as long as they're catching. So they're fishing really well. Fishing off Steep Point, there. you are rock fishing, but there's some seriously big snapper being caught off the rocks there, and just, just just be careful because rock fishing can end in tragedy at times, which is sad to say, but it does. So make sure you fish smart, have your life jacket on off the rocks and fish the conditions that you're capable of fishing. Best baits and, for yeah, fishing. Yeah, there's, those there's squid the squid once again because it just stays on the hook so good. So if you can get squid, that's fishing really, really well. Uh, also, green heads fishing pretty well, Pat.
0: Yeah, there's been some really nice bluefin tuna that have been caught. Not massive fish, but once again, there's been plenty of them out there. So, if just you trawling, want to take the kids out.
1: and lures. It's, yeah. And listen to that rod screaming off out of the rod holder. The kids love it. South Australia. Now, we know the whiting there make mine look crap because they're just amazing fish, some of the size. 58 centimetres during the week a fish went. Like The size a, of people It's just crazy size small, of, A small person <laughs> It literally is phenomenal to see And fishing out of St Kilda and North Haven The whiting fishery is just It just looks like it's getting better and better Red mullet are in some serious good numbers too And they're one of the only fish found right around the world Patrick, red mullet And They are a sought-after fish to eat. So they're softy flesh, but they're a beautiful fish to eat. And there's also some squid kicking about too if you do need to get yourself some fresh bait for your trip out on those whiting. Also to eat as well, Pat. Uh,
0: York Peninsula, speaking of eating, blue swimmer crabs um, are going really quite well. Great fun, once again, with the kids. You get the rakes out and you go and chase those. And all. Not bad in the old pasta dish, Redmond.
1: Yeah, it's uh, Blue Swimmer Crab. I uh, only got into it sort of recently, going to different restaurants. It's up when I was up in Queensland and whatnot, and it's bloody beautiful to eat, isn't it? It's got to be up there with one of the tastiest species to eat. And uh, it's time for the Social Club now, Patrick. It is. So that was
0: a a bit of a whip around to see what's biting around the country. But now it is time for the Social Club. We take your questions from social media. Uh, We're giving away Real Brand gear every single week for the best questions. The First up, Redmond... I'm in the market for a new boat. I fish mostly lakes. Sorry, his name's Tim, by the way. Um, Am I better off using a tiller steer or purchasing a tiller steer or a steering wheel-controlled boat, whether it be a side console, centre console or forward controls?
1: That's a good question. Now, I'm going to go straight with the answer of anything that you can leave the steering wheel and not have to worry about the boat moving is my ideal situation. Even if you're chasing trout, and you get two trout. Take your your trolling Tassie Devils. Well, this is
0: obviously it's going to be you 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 you're purchasing a boat to fish the the,
1: fish lake. the, the lakes. Yep. Yeah, so I'd be definitely going. I'd be definitely going uh, for me a little steering wheel controller, center con- uh, side cab or whatever you were saying before. I'd be going one of those over tiller because that tiller can always move one way or the other. And there's there's ugh, like even now, even if you have a tiller
0: control boat and you whether you're worried about weight compared to what a ford steer is you're still putting in a battery because yeah. now the electronics are far greater than what they've ever been like it's almost like well it's actually about the electric motor that you you match with your whether it be your tiller steer or your or your ford controls like i, I from what i've seen and what i've fished especially around whether it be gippy your side console is a is about as good as it gets because you don't lose out on having not really good deck space when it comes to fishing. Plus, you can have the... Um, as Siri just launches off in the background for us, as, um, you know, you have that electric motor set up at the front of yeah. the boat.
1: Well, and also the other thing, big factor for me, especially if you're in Victoria here and you are doing your lakes fishing like you spoke about, Pat... It's bloody cold in winter, yeah. and if you've got a wind block, you can always put like a, a, um, a windshield, whatever you want, to, however you want to make it, yeah. you're always in front of you, built off that center console that you're talking about, or your side. Which cab, you don't have with a tiller steer. tiller steer you don't have that wind block. So for me, it's 100 percent going to be exactly an actual steering wheel, not a tiller steer. Next question from Reese: Is it worth importing a boat from the USA in the current economical climate, Patrick?
0: I would doubt it, Reese. I think it's it's a it's a bit of a challenge at the moment. Like clearly, I think it was four or five years ago. It was a really solid market to bring boats in from the US. At the moment, with the quality of boats that we see that we see getting built in Australia, um, there's a solid argument to say that by Australian built and Australian owned. The challenge at the moment for all of those in the market for a new boat is the wait times and the lead times from. Majority of the manufacturers, they're they're really quite significant. Um, you know, we know North Bank through Melbourne Marine Centre. You're looking at six months plus, and this, the, you know, that's a similar story with even the, you know, tailwater water and your um, your pressed aluminium boat manufacturers. So you'll be able to pick up um, display boats clearly, but you don't have as much of an option, I suppose, the custom to, sort of to customize, yeah, to customise, yep. yeah y- your boat, whether that be, you know hull colour, gel coach, etc. Um it's easier when you you're coming to things you you're screwing onto the boat versus um you know the real In a real custom yep. um you know options that you can have on boats now. So is it worth importing a boat from the USA? If you if you don't want to wait, but the challenge is it still takes a long time to import um anything.
1: And you've got, to buy, overseas you've as got well. to buy the right boat as well, Pat. And I know in the US they do a fantastic job. Some of their boats handle our oceans amazingly. Yep. But there's also some, a lot of them... Some of the
0: Carolina flares, flares um, hulls
1: are brilliant, but some... Some just can't do what our boats are made here in Victoria or New South Wales or Tassie or... Because our, our yep. oceans are just so bloody rough. They yep. really are. We've got Southern Ocean, this and that. And I know America and that, they do get rough weather but they don't have that big swell roll in a lot of places and these boats don't actually get built specifically with that deep v hull as we like to call it so when you are purchasing it do your research because there are some beautiful american boats america they do know how to build a good boat so make sure you're smart in which um which one you do choose graham hi
0: aaron when heading out into a decent swell how much should i play with the throttle i've only owned my new boat In brackets, it's a Stacer half cab, about five and a half meters long, for twelve months, and I'm still learning how to deal with swell. Uh, I fish out of Sydney in the Parramatta River systems, but occasionally head out into the ocean. So five and a half meters is sort of is that is that middle ground where you can you can head offshore at different stages. You want to obviously pick your weather. When learning how to control a boat, particularly those that are just getting into it, and I'm assuming if you've, you know, it's over and 12 months, you haven't taken out a huge amount. How are you teaching people to drive their boat when it comes to swell?
1: Yeah, so just the easiest way to explain it from the start is if you're going in with a following sea, so with a, the sea following you, so it's hitting, hitting your engine as you're driving forward as such, you want to get your nose up a bit. So you want to trim your nose up, and this just goes all by feel. So you get your nose up so you're not... You're not nose diving, you're not broaching either way. You want to get it up a little bit and have the boat out. If you're going into the sea, especially in a five and a half metre boat, you want to get your nose down a bit. You, want, you don't want it going up and smacking into the ocean. And to answer the question about your throttle, you, you, unless it's mirror calm, you pretty much your hands should never come off the throttle because...
0: Yeah, you never just sit there and hold the steering no. wheel and then just... on you know, the
1: wax, bang, bang, bang. Yep. You need to actually... Up, push, so I like to, so as you're falling down a wave, you like to accelerate, as you're about to hit it, let go as you come up, and as you come back down, accelerate, so you're constantly using that throttle. Because
0: you're wanting to keep the nose, you don't want to dive.
1: No, you don't want to dive, and also you don't want to come down and smack really hard, and that comes down to, if I see a wave lifting in front of me, and I know that I can lift my nose up to make me land midship more, which is going to be smoother... Rather than just coming down, and just going smash with the nose onto a wave, onto the next wave. Yep. So it's about using your throttle, key. and you will learn, and it's purely by feel. It's the only way I can explain it. It's purely by using your hand and just feeling the waves up and down with your throttle. And it's going to take time, like you said, Pat. Before twelve months, probably has a full time job, doesn't get out as much as I guess someone like myself. So it's going to it's not it's not a two minute fix. It's going to take time. But simple things, trimming your engine up and down at the right times, like I said before, and also using your throttle and playing around with pushing yourself up and down waves is the best way to go about it.
0: That wraps up... Excuse me. Jeez. Do I sound a bit like the godfather? That wraps up the social club for the week. <laughs> Good on you, Graham! You've won yourself a real brand giveaway. uh, Fishing top and hat. Send us a direct message and we'll shoot it out to you as quick as we
1: can. I'm just glad I'm 1.5 from you (laughs) at the moment.
0: (laughs) If you've got questions for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures social pages or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. Plenty more Real Adventures after the break. Gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home. Our special guest this morning is Drew Jackson from Tellwater. He's a commercial manager. Good morning, Drew. Thanks for joining us on Real Adventures. Good morning, Patrick. How are you? Going very well. Now, it's been a a fascinating time for the boating industry over the past 18 months. COVID hits. And there's a huge amount of doom and gloom over the industry. And then, apart from I suppose the first initial months of lockdown, it's been quite an astonishing rebound and an industry that just seems to be going from strength to strength. Yeah, it was
2: uh, it was it was short lived actually, to be to be honest. In in not only boating industry but also like recreation industry in general. Like we, I think, COVID hit around March last year and. It, uh it sort of hung around for a few months and then I guess we sort of all perhaps learnt to, to live with it and I think it was sort of end of May start of June for us um, when uh, yeah our, our sales just started going off the charts and obviously everyone you know restricted from traveling overseas and and you know between states somewhat um, people were thinking well what else can I do and and one of those things was to buy a boat so uh yeah we saw we saw a huge explosion in sales then and 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 has continued on since um and uh with what's going on at the moment can't see it slowing down any, anytime soon so
0: under the Tellwater brand quintrex stays the savage uh yellow fin boats uh you you build trailers as well so there's a huge amount to sort of cater for the 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 stuff that I'm particularly interested in, though. Um, if we go back sort of ten, fifteen years, and where pressed aluminium boats were at, and their their marketplace share to where they are today, there's been a significant amount of in of invested money in in maxi trailable boats. No longer do we just look at Quintrex and Stacer and Savage as you know your four and a half meter. Um, runabouts that, that work, you know, well for the inland waterways. We're seeing some really, you know, large craft that are, you know, very much capable of handling, you know, really long-range offshore conditions. I mean, the 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 great example is the um, the seven-five-nine Ocean Ranger, almost seven and a half meters long as a tinny. They're big boats now.
2: Certainly are yeah boats have have, have come a long way. Um, you know, talking back you know early two thousands even earlier than that. You know we we were building what we call a tinny, <laughs> and uh, I suppose over the time and uh, you know we have really invested in the development of that product. You know not only pushed by by Tellwater but but also our dealers and and also our customers. Um, you know have demanded more. And, and that's really, I guess, driven us to really, I guess, innovate in, in the boat space to develop with, you know, to some of the boats you see today. And as you mentioned, it's not just tinnies anymore that, you know, we build boats, you know, seven meter plus. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and all, all shapes and sizes and, and need to cater for, for, for all types of, of, of boat application, whether that be you know blue water along the coast or, or inland in rivers and, and estuaries and lakes of uh, uh, that type of, of application as well. So, yeah, it's um, uh, you know we've we've really put a lot into I guess the design of the hulls, but not only that, really looking at the customer experience being you know, all the, all the bells and whistles, the features that, you know, come with it with, you know, seating and, and, and instruments and options and features that we can offer in in that product. Um, obviously, people are spending their money. We want to give them their money's worth. Is it easier given the
0: – not the constraints but the complexity of, of building a fibreglass boat, the moulds and the work that goes into that versus um, – just how nimble you can be as an aluminium boat manufacturer and how quickly you can change design. I mean, a great example of that is, is Quintrex at the moment and it's, it's gone full circle of what, you know, what was being offered 30 years ago. The fish about is back, but it's far more contemporary than it's ever been, clearly. Um, but there, there seems to be a real ability to innovate and innovate the entire range really quite quickly
2: yeah when you compare it to fiberglass um I, I would think that yes we can be a bit more uh, agile with with coming to market with new products um being that that we can quickly adapt or or introduce new features or boats relatively quickly we we still need to go through the the right um channels in regards to certification making sure the boat complies with the Australian building standards and and, and all of that which all boat manufacturers have to as well um but, but from an aluminum perspective uh yeah we can we can be you know quite fast to market i mean we we listen to what our our customers are, are saying with the ages of our our dealer networks to gain their feedback but also you know rely on, on our you know, research and development teams to, you know, come up with ideas that, uh, you know, uh, at the forefront of, of what, you know, people are, are thinking about and what people are wanting to implement into their into their boating lives. So, yeah, it's um, it's something that we have up our sleeve that we are able to, to do that. And, and as you mentioned with the, the new Quintrex range that, um, you know, we've been able to do that to, you know, really in, in mind we have... You know, customer experience is is the big thing that we have in mind when we're developing and des- designing our our models. That uh, it suits the needs of the now, and, and 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 we're already thinking of you know of what's happening in the future as well.
0: At Real Adventures, we have a little 399 Proline Angler that's been our Real Adventures project boat. We found it on a farm, and we've, yeah, we've, we've brought it back to life. Now I've got plenty of experience with stacer throughout my life dad and i and the family we went around australia in 2001 and we took a stacer 414 with i think it was a i think it was an 87 35 horsepower johnson and and we took that to places we probably shouldn't have um the reason i bring it up though you've been with the company for a while now do you have a boat that has been your favorite over the years because the favorite for me and it's it's clearly on the back of the experiences we had with it. Was that little Stacer four one four where we launched? You know, circumnavigated Dunk Island and, and different islands right up and down the Wit Sundays up to um, to Cooktown and the like. Um, you know, they're they're vehicles that bring you incredible joy. Um, do you have one that you look back and go, that was a model that I just loved, and we we nailed it, and the consumer loved it as much as we did.
2: Oh, mate, look, I've had a few boats over the time as well. It's <laughs> a guess. hard question, isn't it? Who's your favorite <laughs> child? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, look, I, I, I sort of always, um, uh, I guess revert back to, to my upbringing as a child as well. And I was, I was knocking about in the Gippsland lakes, uh, down there. And, uh, and I had a little, um, a three meter savage snipe, yes, um, yep. that, uh, that I used to rip around the, the, the lakes in, and 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 that was, you know, I used to fish and and, and whatever out of that. So that was, I guess, one of my memories of, of of boating. That was probably one of my first memories of boating, and that's what sort of got me, you know, hooked into it. And um, you know, I'll, I'll never never forget that.
0: Uh, a few years ago, in 2019, BRP uh, announced the acquisition of nearly 80 percent of, of tow water. Um, what has that meant for Telwater itself? Expanding R and D, all those sorts of things, and what can we expect from um, or over the next sort of twelve months in terms of offerings? And what can we look forward to from a brand perspective?
2: Uh, interesting question. Yeah, look, um, look, BRP uh, has I guess diversified into, into marine. Um, you know, they've and, and part of that, or their marine group, is, is Telwater. Um, essentially, initially, um, nothing has changed. It's, it's business as usual for Tellwater. Um, I suppose what, what BRP brings is, as a corporate, you know, we're trying to blend, um, you know, the good things and, and, and what Tellwater uh, has offered and, and is why our brands are where they are today. But also then blend that with what you know the processes and systems that, that BRP can offer that we can, I guess, improve. What we already do, um, but then from a from a research and development point, um, you know, part of ARP's um, ethos, if you like, is to you know really uh, drive people look at how you can move people, uh, and 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 part of that is to innovate. Now they've uh, you know really heavily invested in our research and development team, so you know we're looking, as I said before, sort of for products that you know we can. I think developed down the track. Um, but, but realistically, initially, I think is just looking at a current range and, and, and slightly tweaking it so that, you know, again, like I referred to before as the customer experience is what we're really targeting and making sure that that is, um, you know, is really improved and, 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 and what people are expecting from, from their boating, um, experience. Drew, it's been a pleasure having you on
0: Real Adventures this morning and talking all things Tellwater and some of our favourite brands in Quintrex Stace Savage and, of course, Yellowfin. Thank you for your time this morning. Thank you for having me, Patrick, and uh, go pies. (laughs) Now it's time for Red's review for Club Marine. Now, Redmond, I don't know if you've been following the news of late, but we cannot go anywhere ever again, apart from Australia and a little or, bit or, or, little out of of, or out of our state <laughs> and a little bit of New Zealand um today's review we are reviewing uh Dometic's generator yeah it's a smart inverter generator and they're around the $1400 mark this is their Dometic PGE121 if you want to look up the exact code uh, now why we like this is as every as everything heads to more camping, more outdoors. Caravanning. More caravanning. And we start to head off the grid more because people, if everyone's doing it, you want to go to places where there's less crowds. Now, with that comes more of a remote sort of environment. So you've got to provide your own power. And this is where um, this generator really comes into its own because it has a high peak power output of 2100 VA, and a continuous output of 1,800 VA. And what that means is this can power um, your laptops, this can power um, your lighting, this can power your, um, whether it be your camper trailer, it can charge your boat battery at night, particularly when you go really off-grid, and for those working at home. Um, And you can also... Um, it can be boosted by an optional parallel connection. So um, take all your comforts of home with your next ca- uh, camping trip. It's fully portable, as we've already said. Um, charge your air conditioners, your laptops. Like every, every RV now comes with an air conditioner. Now that is expensive to run when it comes to power. So this is where this will, once again, come into its own. Your portable fridges, your freezers, you keep your bait frozen at night, all those sorts of things. Well, that's power what tools. I would
1: say to you just then, was literally the, the Dometic CFXs, they're, they're fantastic, but you need power. You just need power. And when you go remote, like, for example, doing robe in the dunes and stuff, Pat, you need to have power to, to keep all your food cold, especially cold, especially if you don't have for five days.
0: Exactly. And the the beauty of this is it's got an eco mode, which will vary the engine speed depending on how much output you actually need. So if you've got a, a stack of power that you need to produce, well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go going ho If there's not as much, it'll be more economical to run. So the next time you do set off on your adventure and you need something more than than just your, your lithium batteries, um this is a really good option. Head to Dometic.com.au AU for more
1: information. It lasts eight hours on um on quarter load and full load it lasts three and a half hours. So yep. for the size of this thing, it's twenty odd kilo. It's gonna it pumps out a lot of juice, a lot of power, and it holds around four liters of fuel. So Yep. And it's got um so
0: when it comes to your outlets, it's got the twelve uh volt D C, two forty, um The AC or USB power. So it's all there. Head to Dominic.com.au for more information.
2: You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
0: It's been a big show so far. Don't forget you can catch each episode of Real Adventures on our podcast page Redmond,
1: it's now time for Red's tip. Though I'll let him know where the podcast page is. It's on the Real Adventures app, Patrick. That's where it is. Download free, the it's a free app. Free to download. It's a free app. Red's tip this week. Now I'm getting a lot of a lot of messages about these blue fins, and people ask me to do guides on the taking out blue fin fishing and yep. and whatnot, chase these fish, which is all fantastic. It is. I'm not doing a lot of it, but there are people that are. Yep. And not just blue fin, not just swordfish, not anywhere you go. You and I did this uh, up in. Uh, South Mission Beach went out with Dennis Daly. We did. uh, He had a fishing charter out of Mission Beach. Fishing Mission. Fishing Mission When sensational operator and he gave a lot of crap to Pat, which was great. (laughs) But uh, what what I'm trying to say is, though, it's it's a good idea to learn all these techniques before you go out there. Now, the reason I say this... And this is not about pinching marks. Nothing to do with marks. Because this is
0: what, you know, charter operators, they spend their, their livelihood is finding these researching yep. these, finding these grants, So it's not about that. No. It is about learning from them, though, the tips and techniques in order to chase these fish.
1: Here's an example. I rocked up to the Polo Bay during the week or whenever it was and we're back, back in the trailer down and this guy goes to me... And first time chasing him, blah blah blah, and they're in, they in his twenty one hundred staby. I said, "Oh, awesome, mate." I said, "I oh, make sure." He goes, "Um, what lures you been getting them on?" I said, "I've been getting them on these, but also pilchards." Make sure you take your pilchards. They go, "Yeah, yeah, no, we've got three bags of pilchards." They say, "What do you do? Do you just throw the? Do you just hook the pilchard on and throw it out while you're trolling?" Like I'm like, "Hold on a minute, what did you say?" And he goes, "Like just hook it on and throw the pilchard out while you're trolling." Like he's thinking we're running pilchards, skip baiting and a pilchard along the water at twelve kilometers an hour. Yep. and I'm just like. No, mate. So I debriefed him, briefed him on about how to actually drop these pilchards into the water properly by stopping your boat, pulling the other lures in, getting on the bait ball and whatnot. Told him how to do it, but he could have gone out all day just throwing pillies on a hook while he was trawling and just getting tangled after tangle, and he would have caught absolutely nothing, nothing all day yep. so spend the money with a charter boat in an area if you do want to learn how the techniques work make sure you learn how they do it a lot of them will be happy to help you and teach you and just grab a couple of mates and go have a great time on a charter boat have a couple of beers and really take in what they're saying and hopefully you catch a few fish and even if you don't catch fish don't use those techniques <laughs> yep. i was going to say even though if you don't catch fish you need to still be mindful that sometimes fish don't eat and they know what they're doing. Yep. They do been doing it a long time. Yep. So booking a charter boat with whether it's like you said earlier, Dreamcatcher with Richie out of um, Malacuta or Lakes Entrance, wherever you are. Or
0: it's gone fishing charters out of Portland out of at the Portland, moment.
1: Yep. Or even a guide with Wayne in Western Port to catch a whiting. Yep. Whatever it is, because
0: you can sit, you can be in the boat with Chriso and question him constantly about how are you rigging up this this lure, how you what knot are you using to tie it on, how are you rigging this bait, yep. all these things. And Chriso will be more than happy to talk you through it to help you um, on your next fishing adventure that, that it's a really prosperous one.
1: 100%. And make sure you also salt guide as well with what I do too. That's another great way. And there's stuff on YouTube and whatnot as well. But salt guide, we literally give you everything you need to know. With From start your, to finish. You From can take it out on so, the boat, on your hand. Yep.
0: You've got your phone on you. There's so many you can options. literally look at it
1: and go, okay, this is how... Aaron and Gwen do it. This is how I'm going to tie it in and away you go. And the GPS marks too. So make sure that you do listen to all these people and it's worth investing a little bit of money to save yourself a lot of money in the end run. It's now time for flying gaff, Patrick. It sounds like you've got a bird problem. I've got a cocky problem.
0: <laughs> I've got a cock problem at the moment. It's, they're annoying the crap out of me. They're destroying my lawn. I thought you were going to talk about your personality. They're destroying my lawn. <laughs> I, I, I was looking up like pallet guns. Apparently, they're illegal in Victoria. The only state in Australia they're I think not it's illegal. illegal to shoot a cocky
1: it as well is Queensland. Well, that is true. <laughs>
0: Has anyone got advice for me in how to get rid of bloody cockies destroying their lawns? Because at the moment, they're mining worse than what the, they're mining in Western Australia. <laughs> they're looking for gold, man. I'm going to hit
1: China soon. You've got to take in here. I'd parked, the builder told me to park. On Pat's grass a few a few months ago, lost me, lost him, and I said no, nah, he won't. He goes, you don't want me to park on his grass. But he goes, nah, he's over that phase now. Sure enough, I get upstairs, look down. What'd you park on the grass for? <laughs> so you got to understand, this is Pat's little pride and joy. Absolutely, it is. Give him aspirin. They go funny. <laughs> Can I say that? No. <laughs> Can we get that cut out, Brooksy? <laughs> Um, <laughs> So if
0: anyone's got any advice for me, please make sure you send it in to our Real Adventures socials because they're doing my head in at the moment. Anyway, thank you for your company this morning on Real Adventures. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next week.
1: It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au
2: now.